Welcome to A Prescription for Fair Drug Prices, a podcast by ICER, the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review. I'm your host, Jason Crowell, and I'm joined by Steve Pearson, the president of ICER. And today in episode one, we're going to answer the question, why should we care about the cost of the drugs we prescribe our patients? Hello, Steve. Welcome. Hi, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So as we get started in this series, um, I've already told our listeners a little bit about you, but would you mind just giving us a little bit about yourself and your interest in drug pricing, how you got to this point? Sure. So I uh, went to medical school um, out in California, and actually it was probably there where I first kind of became aware, as many medical students do, if they haven't been aware already, that health is a lot more than the prescriptions that we write. It's a lot more than the tests that we do, even the surgeries that we do. It involves you know, the entire kind of world, uh, the community, the family uh, um, around the patient. And I took that with me into my residency when I also started to see doctors um, being involved in coverage decisions that was part of a kind of old line health maintenance organization out in Boston called the Harvard Community Health Plan. And I found it fascinating that in the outpatient setting, the doctors would take care of patients all day long and then after hours would go meet and talk about whether they should cover Viagra or whether they should buy a new MRI machine or buy more nurses who could help outreach to Hispanic uh, patients. There were all these different decisions that had to be made. So I, I really got interested in the science of looking at new treatments and technologies and trying to understand them, but also the ethics, I guess, of how decisions are made Um, insurance decisions, pricing decisions, um, and allocation of resources to try to get the best health we could out of what are ultimately limited resources. So I took that with me and started to do some work um, at Harvard Medical School in a center for ethics in managed care and expanded that to think about international settings. And then ultimately, um, after a stint in Washington where I was involved with some of the thinking around some of the elements of Obamacare, in which there were some early thoughts around how to bring more evidence into the healthcare decision-making process, I just started to start uh, up uh, my own laboratory uh, called the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, ICER, or ICER. And my goal then was really, again, to try to create a laboratory in which we in the United States could do a better job of bringing in all the stakeholders, but especially the patient groups, the doctors, but of course the payers and the manufacturers, and whether it was drugs or something else, try to, again, have a more honest and explicit conversation about the evidence, about you know, what we can tell and not tell from the early evidence, and try to figure out how the pricing can align with what we hope is our knowledge about the benefits for patients, and be set at a rate at which we can make sure that it's all affordable both in the short and the long term. So that's kind of how I got interested in it, and drugs became a greater part of our interest at ICER as drug pricing became a bigger issue for the United States in particular, but actually around the world. Yeah, um, well, it's certainly a big deal now um, here in the U.S., and I really appreciate your time and for helping us out with this series, and I'm excited to unpack some of these ideas together. Um, In this first episode, we're going to talk about why drug prices are a problem in the first place. And in a little bit, we'll dive into the first theme in this series, which is that here it is, that drug prices poison the well for all of us. 
So I thought to kick things off, let's start out with a scenario that I think will resonate with many of us. Um, it's Monday morning in clinic, and one of your well-known patients comes in to see you for symptoms of depression. And so you talk with him, evaluate him, and you prescribe him an antidepressant. And then he comes back a month later, and you talk to him, and it's, it's not altogether clear whether his mood has improved. So you encourage him to just stick with the medicine, think maybe he just needs another few weeks to see some benefit. And then when he comes in a month later, you ask him, and it's only then that he discloses that actually he hasn't been taking the medicine at all. And as a provider, this situation can sometimes be confusing or even frustrating. You know, did he have side effects and just quit the medicine without letting you know, or did he feel it wasn't working and just gave up on it? And so when you kind of press him on it, he finally shares that he actually never filled the prescription in the first place. It was abandoned at the pharmacy, and he says it just it simply cost too much. I think this is a scenario that we can all appreciate. And Steve, when we first started to get this podcast together, I have to admit, I, I asked myself, when was the last time I asked one of my patients what he or she had to pay for their medicine? And like most of our listeners, I've gone through years of training and I've learned to ask about all sorts of side effects of medicines, but I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've asked my patients about the cost they face at the pharmacy for the drugs that I prescribe. So my first question for you, Steve, is why do you think that we as physicians and healthcare providers don't consider the cost of drugs more often or more explicitly? Wow, there are lots. It's a great question. There are lots of answers. And also, I must admit that there are lots of doctors, depending on the setting in which they practice, there are, there are plenty of doctors for whom they're aware every single patient is going to have a hard time affording any kind of prescription that they write, even if it seems like a small copay. And so it can be really a, it can be a struggle um, for all of our patients that we see, for some, for a hidden minority, but it's always there in the background. And it's hard for us as, as clinicians because, well, for multiple reasons. One is it's hard for us to even begin to know ourselves what these drugs are costing our patients unless we ask. Because we know that the price that we might read in the papers um, or in the journals uh, is not going to be what the patient is going to be paying. And we don't really know what that is. And often the patients don't even know until they get to the, to the pharmacy. So there's this kind of whole layer of opacity that makes that, that difficult. Um, another feature is that we just, you know, even if we did know, what are we supposed to do about it? I mean, we can try to help some patients by trying to find, um, you know, cheaper options for them, different pharmacies or sometimes some free samples. Um, but ultimately, a lot of doctors feel like it's, it's kind of hard for them to engage because what are they really supposed to do? They don't have any influence over the cost that their patient is going to pay, or on the bigger picture around what the drug is priced at in the market. We can also fall into a bit of a trap and think that uh, no matter how expensive this drug is, um, even if we know it's expensive, that the patients are going to be uh, protected, if you will, by their insurance, and that they'll let us know if it's a problem. And I think that's, again, that's a bit of a, a kind of a fault on our parts because patients feel embarrassed. There have been focus groups done in which Many patients have expressed that they would like to engage around the price of the drugs that they're paying, at least, um, but it's hard for them because they feel a bit embarrassed about showing that they need help or can't figure it out, that kind of thing. So we as clinicians, we have to think a lot about how we can structure our practices and our, our own attitudes so that we can kind of address that. And um, as a part of all of this, then it kind of comes back to it's easy for, I think, us as doctors um, when we're practicing to think that my job today in the eight hours or whatever it's going to be that I'm seeing patients, today I'm not going to take that eight hours to fix the world's problems. I'm just going to listen to my patients and do the best I can in the here and now 
inside the exam room. And more often than not, a hand on their shoulder is going to be worth a lot more than asking them about you know, global drug pricing policy. So for all of these reasons, I think we don't engage very well either at our individual kind of patient level, and then in some ways even we don't engage that much as clinicians um, overall in the broader problem at our society's level. Yeah, and speaking of that broader problem, zooming out for just a second, there, there are a lot of statistics out there about just how quickly and how high drug prices have risen. I, I pulled just a few of them. So first, in, in just one year from July of 2018 to July of 2019, the price of over 3,000 drugs in the U.S. rose by 17%. Secondly, between 2011 and 2016, prescription drug spending rose at a rate two and a half times that of inflation. So an important point here is that drug spending has increased relative to other healthcare spending. But I'm sure most of us are focused on, as you mentioned, what effect this has on our patients sitting in front of us. And there's no doubt that the amount directly spent by patients out of pocket is growing too. So, you know, we could go on and on talking about different statistics that illustrate how drug prices have gone up. But again, when I think about the patient sitting across from me with depression who never filled his prescription in the first place, it seems like the most important question here is, what effect do rising drug costs have on our patients? Well, it has effects at multiple levels, as usual. So, um, but the key feature is that they face trade-offs. They face the idea that if I try to spend what I need to to get my prescription um, and to take it every day like I'm supposed to, um, there really are a surprising number of Americans for whom, especially if they are on a lot of expensive medicines, and again, doctors sometimes are in their silo. They might be prescribing one expensive medicine. They may not really think that much about the fact that when the patient goes to the pharmacy, they're picking up six expensive medicines. And you add that all together, and that means they may not be able to afford their rent or other really important expenses that they have. So that's why our patients abandon the prescriptions um, or get them and try to ration it out by cutting the pills in half or or you know, whatever it, it might be. So, and this, this forces many patients into trying to do different things with their own finances. Um, we've heard about how cancer patients sometimes you know, have to sell their cars or, or homes. You know, there are kinds of uh, you know, really worrisome anecdotes. And this is also part of an outgrowth of the kind of bizarre historical feature that the way that drugs are covered by insurance is different. If they'd had to be in the hospital, they might have had you know, a copay but the thousands and thousands of dollars that it costs to be in the hospital is largely covered by insurance. Drug coverage was kind of an add-on. Later, it was an add-on for Medicare. It was an add-on for the private insurance industry, and partly for that historical reason, and partly because there was always a feeling that patients and doctors had more choices around whether to prescribe something and which drug to use. But it's because of those historical factors that the financial impact of the drug spending that out-of-pocket for patients is, is, is so toxic. It really is a kind of financial toxicity that they often face. So I have to pause here. When I hear you talk about financial toxicity, surely you're just referring to patients who are uninsured, right? Because if patients have insurance, then won't their insurance cover for most of the drugs that they need? Well, if most of the people listening to this may have, they have lots of different forms of insurance, but if you look at the fine print, You'll often find whether that there's a deductible for you that we may not, you know, kind of worry about too much. But if you're sick and you need chronic, uh, you know, medication that's expensive, you're going to be spending thousands of dollars out of pocket every year. And again, 
that's for one drug. If you add multiple drugs, you know, you add up the different deductibles, you get co-pays and co-insurance. Now, there is usually a maximum annual out-of-pocket limit for individuals and families. But most of us clinicians, most of us health policy makers, most of us full stop, don't really realize how big a number that is and that it can grow year after year within insurance systems. To try to keep the overall premium affordable, they sometimes add on higher deductibles and higher uh, out-of-pocket limits. So this can be a real problem to a lot, to a lot of patients. And then my next follow-up is, is, I hear your point about the financial effects of these drugs, but are the, the explicit financial amounts, are those the only way that these high drug prices affect our patients? Are there any other effects that are less obvious? Well, no. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the ways that insurers do try to manage the cost so that insurance um, premiums on a monthly basis are, quote-unquote, affordable, is to build in um, kind of utilization management, one of the kind of most loathed terms um, in the uh, English lexicon uh, by clinicians, but it's ways through prior authorization, step therapy, quantity limits on the pills, restrictions on which doctors can prescribe. These are all ways that um, insurers use, and most often in good faith, but maybe not implemented well. But it's an attempt to try to manage the utilization, to try to reduce unnecessary or um, kind of um, overuse. Um, but it creates real problems because for some patients, those uh, utilization management tools, while they might work fairly at the kind of larger population level, there are always going to be exceptions um, in which it really creates a true barrier to care for people who need the, the treatment. You know, historically as clinicians, and certainly myself included, it's, it's easy for us to think about financial toxicity and these effects on patients as kind of a, a not my problem problem or a, a problem that is just larger than us. I have all these patients to see. I've got eight hours that my clinic's open. How can I have any impact on these? And the financial aspects of the treatments I prescribe, you know, maybe that's more of a problem for social workers or insurance companies to figure out. But, you know, why should we as doctors care about financial toxicity and how, as we mentioned earlier, we said that you know, drug prices are actually a problem for all of us. How is that so? Well, first off, if you're carrying, if you really, if we all hope at the end of the day to care for the patient in front of us, we have to see the patients beyond them in the waiting room and in the community. We also have to see the patient in our office today as a patient somewhere else or a patient in the future. It, we have to broaden our, our scope, and that's, that, that is really hard. Um, and we talked a little bit about all the reasons that it's hard for doctors, you know, in some sense to engage and to have, to feel like they can have an impact. But I know that you and I feel that part of the purpose of these podcasts is to, to arm people with information, with perspective, with background, and also I hope with a sense that you do, you know, clinicians have the power, not just the responsibility, but the power to actually be effective change agents um, on behalf of our patients. So that's where we're headed, I think, uh, in the conversations ahead. Yeah, I think the big take-home I get from this topic is that I really should start um, asking my patients more questions about the cost of, of treatments and how that affects them. Just last week, I had a patient who told me his copay for a drug I prescribed was nearly a thousand bucks. And even though he had the means to pay for it, he's not sure he wants to keep paying that amount unless he starts to see some benefit in his symptoms. So I, I think I just need to be more regular in asking my patients about any out-of-pocket expenses related to their care. Um, and also asking, like you mentioned, if they ever feel the need 
to skip or split doses or if they ever leave prescriptions unfilled because of the cost. So I'm looking forward to diving into this more. You know, Steve, one of my jobs as host in this podcast is to um, play devil's advocate. And you mentioned opportunity cost earlier, but I have to say, I know we're going to talk about this in the next episode. I, I would say, don't we have enough money here in the U.S. that we can afford all of the treatments? I mean, would, would we want to give up anything for the sake of, a, of, the, of its cost? Uh, if only so. I would love the challenge of talking through that with you. Terrific. So next week, we will dive into opportunity costs and trade-offs, and we will see you back next week. Sounds good. Talk to you then. Thanks, Steve. In this episode, we talked about financial toxicity and how high-priced drugs affect patients. And I can see the importance of asking my patients how the cost of their drugs affects them. Next week, we'll talk about some questions we can ask our patients to see just how much their medicines are worth to them in episode two of A Prescription for Fair Drug Prices. We'll see you then.